Stevenson to the outside, they score! From the left wing circle, Jack Eichel makes it 2-0 Vegas. Because one hour isn't enough, we welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Carlson for Stone in front, he scores! Five, two nights, Mark Stone, two goals, one assist, three points. From the Finlay Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LBSportsNetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Quiet night in the Stanley Cup playoffs. We will resume Thursday with the start of the Eastern Conference Final. The Florida Panthers up against the Carolina Hurricanes in game number one. Interesting tie-in in that series between the coaches and the players and uh, the back and forth between the franchises, all seemingly revolving around Paul Maurice, the head coach of the Florida Panthers. And then Friday afternoon here in Vegas, you will get the Golden Knights up against the Dallas Stars, second time they've met in recent history, right in this same third round. But the uh, principles have evolved over the last couple of years, as you've got uh, Pete DeBoer against Bruce Cassidy, uh, two high-profile coaches who changed teams last summer. Uh, There's favorites, and then there's people that are close to your heart favorites. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Who do we think will come out of the East? Oh, man, I... It's hard to go against the Carolina Hurricanes because I, I do think that they're incredibly deep, even without the players that aren't in the lineup, Max Pacioretty, Andrei Svechnikov. I, I did see that Tuva Teravainen was skating, so if he's coming he's back, gonna that's going to be pretty big for, for Carolina. They've just been so, so buttoned up so good. Yeah, he broke his hand against the New York Islanders, mm-hmm. but he's going to play. Yeah. So I, I don't know how limited he might be, but you get him back into the fold. I think that that's big for Carolina. Um for the with the Florida Panthers, I, I love that team. I really do. I love the underdog nature that that Matthew Kachuk is kind of playing with in this in this postseason. I think that they're a really interesting team. Sergey Bobrovsky's been phenomenal, but I think if there's one thing, I I just wonder if that's going to be able to hold up for the rigors of another round or two. So. All that to say, I think the favorite in this series has to be the Carolina Hurricanes. It has to be. Yeah. But who do you think is going to win? I think Florida's going to win. Because Florida beat the best regular season team of all time. And then they went up against a a franchise that's been haunted by a lack of playoff success, filled with superstars that finally got over the hump Mm -hmm. and won a series for the first time since 2004 in the Toronto Maple Leafs. And Florida still ran their show and mm-hmm. they did it easy in mm-hmm. five games. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I I think like if you're asking me to talk about who I think is going to win with my heart, it's Florida. I think that they're going to win the series. I think Florida is that team that it just doesn't matter if they're overmatched. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are in a series. We saw that against Boston. We certainly saw that against Toronto and it wasn't particularly close. So, um, I think the Florida Panthers are going to be the representative for the Eastern Conference and the Stanley Cup Final. Who's the most exciting team? More exciting team? Um, I would say Florida. Yeah, it's Florida. I, I think that they play with a bite, with edge. Like Again, Matthew Kachuk, to me, is, has just been an absolute stud in, these post, in this postseason. Best team uh, in the National Hockey League last year, and then traded a couple mm-hmm. of big-name players mm-hmm. to get Matthew Kachuk. Yep, and, and uh, like... 
he's been everything you could ask for. An emotional driver, a physical driver. He, he's been fantastic. Him along with Sam Bennett. That, that's just been MVP. That's just been uh, uh, two guys that have really, really done some great damage for the Florida Panthers. Like Anthony declares back in the lineup. He's paying dividends, and and you know Alexander Barkov is is right there in terms of point production. Maybe some more goal scoring you want to see from him, but like they're they're a pretty complete team too when you look at everything. Aaron all things considered. on the back end. Yep. Love yep. Aaron Eckblad. Absolutely. You know, he's the only remaining first overall pick. Really? Yep. Of in the final huh. four. There's only one first overall pick that's, left. That's wild. And think about the last round, all the high profile first yeah. overall picks that yeah. you had. Between mm-hmm. Tavares and Matthews and McDavid. Yep. Like, and now Aaron Eckblad, a great defenseman, mm-hmm. but not in the Norris Trophy conversation No, this year. Really good defenseman. Signed mm-hmm. one of the great contracts ever. We were like, what are they doing? He lived up to it. Mm-hmm. But that's the only remaining <laughs> first overall pick. Yeah, that's wild. So you think Florida with your heart, Carolina with your head. Yeah, I mean, if I'm looking at this analytically, I think it's Carolina all day. You're wondering about Bobrovsky. Uh, who's going to play goal for Carolina in this series? I would I would assume it's Freddie Anderson. No, you would assume that it's all three. <laughs> okay. Because okay, that, like, that could very well happen. Okay, listen. if, if That's probably a better bet. Yeah, that's than, fair. That's it, fair. Okay. What what would you take if I gave you you had to pick one? Okay. All right. Carolina advances to the Stanley Cup final mm-hmm. using three different goaltenders in the series, either starting or coming in relief, or Carolina advances to the Stanley Cup final using only one goaltender the entire series. No, they advance using all three. Right. 100%. That's just the way they operate. 100%. And like, they're built, and people are hurt. Whatever we got to do, is chuckling, wh- but that—that's true. Whatever we got to do to get to Kochekov, that's all I care about. Piotr. Piotr. Uh, all right. Now we get into Dallas and Vegas. Okay. And we talked to Jeff Sharples about the high flipper. Uh, that was in hour number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Download the podcast if you missed any of that. And John Shannon, uh, the high flipper is a great way to escape pressure, but it also has evolved into a way to put pressure on the other team. People and teams have used it very effectively because you don't know how that puck's going to bounce. If you if they flip it and you've got a speedster, go Mm -hmm. chase it down, Mm -hmm. and it it can turn into goals. It did last night. Dallas used it on both goals. They they found a way to use that to start uh, both goals in a 2-1 win. That is going to be a storyline. So is Pavelski with the high tip. Mm-hmm. Like between the hash marks-ish. Yeah. And that is going to be something that Vegas hasn't had to deal with because there's only one Joe Pavelski. And that's an unbelievable accurate compliment mm-hmm. and statement about Joe Pavelski. Nobody else can do what he can do when it comes to tipping pucks, and it's going to have to alter how Vegas defends in their own zone and what Aiden Hill 
does with his approach to point shots. So this series to me is is a really, I mean, it's really close. I, I don't think we're getting a six game series. I think we're getting a seven game series. Like I would be very, very much surprised and shocked if we don't get seven. I, I just think the teams are that close in terms of of, of everything that, that's gone well for them so far this year. We've seen it very close in the regular season. I don't buy too much into what you see out of the regular season when it comes to the postseason, especially this deep into it. Um, but I just think that the Dallas Stars are incredibly balanced. Uh, you mentioned earlier, Darren, that you've, you've only got two goals on the board from Jason Robertson. He put 46 in this year. Like mm-hmm. I don't expect Jason Robertson, when all, when all said and done, for his shooting percentage to be at 5.4% for the for the run of the playoffs. So you would you would have to expect that he's going to find the back of the net at some point. Uh, but Jack Eichel's emergence has been just fantastic to watch over the course of these playoffs and how much better he's gotten uh, day-to-day, shift-to-shift. So I, I think that these teams are essentially even. I, I really do. I think it's a seven-game series. And I think for the Golden Knights, there's there's something about this team, their ability to get saves, get get those plays that you need in order to win series. The, the the play of Aiden Hill was inspiring in game number six against the Edmonton Oilers. I, I like the Golden Knights in this series. I'm picking them in seven because I just think that there's something about this Vegas team right now that feels different. I, I don't see it as close as a lot of people, you, John Shannon, are, are looking at it. I, <laughs> I give the edge to Vegas. They're a better team in the regular season, uh, better team overall over 82 games. Uh, they've been really good against uh, challenging uh, oppositions last round uh, in, in particular. They can play any way, and they've found their goaltender, another one. And I, I just I re- like the way this team is, is rolling. Maybe I'm rose-colored glasses, but I really do uh, am as, as confident about this team as I've been at any point during this season. Loving the way they're playing mm-hmm. and the the buy-in uh, by the entire team. And there's another aspect. Fourth trip to the conference final, third round in six years. This core, but then you expand beyond the core. And Mark Stone has been here uh, for a number of years now. Uh, wasn't there year, year number one. Uh, but, uh, but some other... Uh, Jack, who's come on board, Chandler Stevenson, uh, uh, who, who's on board. These players who have been to a couple of, uh, excluding Eichel, conference finals and not got back to a final, mm-hmm. like they want to write their own story that goes along with year number one. But they want to write their own trip to the Stanley Cup final. I think there's more desperation, more urgency than maybe we saw in the bubble against Dallas, than we saw in that third round when Mark Stone was banged up uh, mm-hmm. against the Montreal Canadiens. I expect there to be a different vibe about this team than the most recent trips to the third round. I think the the thought on desperation um, probably like when you when you consider missing the playoffs, right? Like that's something that you kind of if you're the Golden Knights throughout your entire existence. You're a playoff team, you, you, and I don't want to say you take anything like that for granted, but that's just who you were as hockey players in this franchise with this organization. And so when you have an opportunity where you don't get there and you know everyone is in this window where you're expected to win, where you believe you've got a team good enough to win and win it all, 
any opportunity you don't get to actually fulfill that, I think, gnaws away at you. And I think what you're seeing from the Golden Knights, specifically in Game 5 and 6 against Edmonton, where I think they took their game to another level, I think that that was just that kind of personified, paying off, that this was a team that was willing to do and did all of the right things necessary to win when it mattered most. And I think they bring that into this series against Dallas, for sure. I haven't talked to the guys about this, but last year missing the playoffs, that was because of injury, and they were banged up, and they did everything they could. And the script was basically written for them. Getting to a conference final or a third round and not winning, that really eats at you. You go all this way and you don't get there and you're so close and you wonder, am I going to get that close again? I was within reach of a Stanley Cup final. The missing the playoffs because of the injury, I almost give a pass to. Getting to a third round and losing getting to a final like they did in year number one, it's like, we were right there. And maybe that's why the, the urgency has been dialed up. Uh, certainly a phenomenal series against the Edmonton Oilers. Bruce Cassidy uh, speaks to the media every day during the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's a requirement by the National Hockey League. Uh, he was at the podium today at City National Arena discussing uh, a few different things, goaltending uh, and potential sightings of Bressois or Thompson was uh, on the radar. This relationship between the two organizations and the coaching staffs uh, is right there. And just uh, a blanket look at what we expect between Vegas and the Dallas Stars. Uh, ben goes Las Vegas Street Journal. Uh, Bruce, I know you said you are going to be at uh, hockey practice instead of watching Game 7 yesterday. How was it? The practice? Yeah. Um, it was good. Cole was dangling, got roasted once one-on-one, so we talked to him about that. And Shannon's sick, so she missed hers, unfortunately. But um, I did get to see probably half the game live. We've been watching some of it this morning. But at the end of the day, we have obviously footage from earlier in the year and stuff. So, But it was, um, yeah, it was nice not to have to prepare for Edmonton. I'm not going to lie. To get it done in six, I think any coach would tell you to you know, save that extra game is nice. And just now looking forward to the Stars, what do you see from them? What's going to be the key to this matchup? Well, the... There's some similarities to Edmonton in terms of, you know, they have a, a dominant line, whether they play them together, split them up. Um, you know, and hence he's just probably as close to McDavid as there's left or is going through the playoffs right now. He's having a great playoff, real dynamic player. Uh, Pavelski's probably some similarities to Dreisaitl and his ability to finish. And um, I think they look to, you know, they've they've been on the power play more than any team in the playoffs in terms of numbers, so they're looking to create those situations. Similar to Edmonton, they rely on that, so we have to be, again, another series where we're going to have to play with discipline, be hard, but discipline. So um, going into a series, having some same tendencies can help you just roll into the next series, but I think it's a different animal in how you're going to score goals against them. They just play a different... Uh, system in the D zone. It's going to be a lot tougher to get to the front of the net or create situations like Marcia so where he's there by himself. You know, when they're man to man in Edmonton, it's don't over support the puck, try to create some confusion, then work your way in and, and hopefully you've lost your check. Where I think Dallas will do a better job of limiting those, those net front opportunities when guys are by themselves. Uh, Mark Anderson, AP. Is the all Sun Belt Final Four 
What do you think about We're the, the most northern team I found out today. <laughs> you are, yeah. Is that crazy or is it just me? You were I Carolina. Mean, you are more than Carolina? Uh, someone told me that. I don't know. I'm yeah. just a Canadian. You know, so. <laughs> well, as a Canadian, what do you think about an all Sunbelt Final Four? Do you think it's... If the four best league? teams are left, the four best teams, doesn't matter where they're from, right? I mean, I think there's that old tradition, uh, original six, you know, and, uh, you know, the Rangers, Bruins, Chicago, some, someone's usually there, but that's just the way it falls this year. So, um, four good hockey teams, and I'm sure they'll create good storylines and... To be a deserving champion, that's for sure. <clears throat> Danny Webster, Las Vegas Sun. We talked before game two about how Marshall and Smith had yet to find the back of the net and whether that'd be a good thing for the depth when they're scoring the way they did in games five and six. Is that a good trickle-down effect for the rest of the group? When, when well, it's a different, I think it's a difference in the series, right? we got different people contributing, and, and if, if certain guys aren't able to score for whatever reason, credit Edmonton for keeping off the sheet. Maybe they pucked in, find them, whatever the case may be. Um, I think it matters and good for, you know, Marshy, you could see it coming. He was getting into the interior a lot more, getting those opportunities around the front of the net. And eventually the puck finds him enough times. He's on a line where it will find him. Barbashev had found him. Jack's been going there. He scored his goal at the top of the crease the other night in game five. So um, they're getting rewarded for getting their noses dirty. Uh, Smitty went to the top of the crease the other night, trying to get inside a little more. So I think that's just in the playoffs. You got to be willing to go in there enough times and find pucks. Yeah, you're going to get some stuff off the rush periodically, but it's a lot less. So they adjusted their games, got rewarded. So good for them. Jesse Granger with the Athletic. Dallas kind of runs its offense around the outside. They like to run things through the point. The way you guys protect the middle, I'm wondering, are you are you content? giving up some zone time and, and protecting that middle and letting them hold it around I, the outside? I think, I think we're always content giving up zone time if it at the at, at um, the expense of that will be interior ice shots and us having numbers there. And that's just the way we play. Until teams break it down consistently, then we, you know, we'll, we'll make adjustments. But even then, you're still trying to shut off areas. Like with Edmonton, they, were, they tried to always outlet on the weak I mean, I'm going to get hockey goofy here, but like on the weak side behind the net, dry saddle weights over there, McDavid, so they can walk up on their forehand out the weak side and make plays from there. So we're certainly adjusted our system a little bit where our lefty tried to stay a little looser and cut some of those plays off and jump him quicker. Our winger on that weak side would go down and play low, which you didn't always have to do during the season. So we certainly did some things to counter that, but they're still good and can still separate. And, you know, dry saddle, he, you know, even he wants contact sometimes to separate. So even what we're doing didn't always shut them down, but at least it took away options. They didn't have as much time and space. So I think that's what you ultimately want is try to take away time and space. With, with Dallas, you'll see a lot of three high point shots with that high tip and then the net front present. We know that's coming. There's a lot of teams that do that. I mean, we try to incorporate that in our offense. They're just really good at it. Um, so that's an area that what are we going to do with our middle forward? You know, are, are we going to give him the outside or maybe we protect the middle a little more with him? And that'll be, you know, determine us how as we go. We can have the greatest plan on earth going into it, but until you feel it and see it, um, then, then you slowly get, you know, through some of those periods where maybe it works against you to make it work for you. That's just what we have to do. So that's what we're anticipating. Um, if we can break out clean, get in on our end, rebound those pucks quickly, then we won't have to deal with that as much. And some of that happened against Edmonton, and the Knights, we struggled in our end, it didn't. So, I mean, they're, they got good players, and they're going to win some puck battles too. That's, but that's what it's going to come down to is, you know, make sure you defend it well early so you don't have to defend it well the entire shift, if that makes any sense. 
Pete coached this team last year, so obviously the players are familiar with him. He's familiar with the players. Like, what what advantages can you get? Like, what advantages do you know about your old team, and then what advantages do the players know about the system? Well, I think it'll help them a lot because he does know individual tendencies of the players and can point out certain things that they may be able to do. You know, I was in Boston six years. If we play them tomorrow, I certainly know some of what maybe you don't see on film the little things uh, of a system, but of an individual. So that's where that, that he'll help their defensemen against our forwards or our forwards against their forwards for check and RD, whatever the case may be. Um, we have a guy in the room, John Stevens, a coach in Dallas last year. So he's going to know individual tendencies of a lot of the Dallas guys. So I think there's a bit of, there'll be more information available early in this series. Uh, you know, Mish and Craig are no Pete, how, maybe how he likes to coach. So, I mean, we have our meeting this morning. I'm just putting my feet up and relaxing because they have, those guys have all the information. And it's up to me to decide what to do with it in a couple of days. So there's a little more knowledge in this series, internal knowledge. Um, we'll see how that plays out. I was wondering if you, Bruce, I was wondering if you could expand a little bit upon what you were talking about earlier about how they defend in the, you know, in front of the net area. Like you were saying, March, so he got that open area a little bit against the Edmonton, but maybe that gets closed off. Uh, against Dallas, it's not as easy to find that ice. Why is that? What's their? What are they? What are they? Well, Edmonton there? was more man to man, right? So just compare. If we're going to compare the two, so I mean, if a forward walked up and a D was on locking onto him, like you know, they may chase him all the way to the blue line, and and so we tried to be a little more active with those things to get their D away from the net. And that requires probably the centerman or one of their forwards to be more disciplined to stay near the front of the net if he's on Fiat Marcia, so for for example, and. So you test that, and I think it worked to our advantage. They weren't always as disciplined and in, 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 in staying with their check or switching, whatever. They're, I can't, yeah, I can't. I'm not in their room, right? I can't tell you, but that's in general, man to man. So we tried to not support the puck carrier right away because he knew he only had to beat his one check. So that's why that you can see a lot of cutbacks and, and stuff like that, trying to shake your guy one on one. With Dallas, they'll swarm you early, so they may try to outnumber you low five guys or four guys to two or three early to kill those choke off those cutbacks so in this series we'll need to support the puck better early for our first touch and then maybe change sides out the other side of the net or walk up from there so you know knowing that you're not going to have a lot of time and space early and it's not just you against your guy that'll be the difference um, and I think the D will be closer to the net I don't think you'll see them chasing way out they'll pass those people off to the forwards and and that's where it becomes similar to ours. We don't want our D chasing away from the net. We have big, strong D. We'd like them to defend there. They're used to defending there, and that's why we play the system we do. The disadvantage where you talk, you know, just asked, ozone possession time sometimes gets tilted because you're passing off people. So we'll try to get to those areas where they pass off people and then see if we can generate from there if we can't attack right away. And so that'll be our plan and we'll see how it plays out. Pete also addressed the uh, question regarding Lauren Bressois and Logan Thompson and uh, talked about uh, he hasn't seen anything from, from Bressois uh, being on the ice, but uh, there there was uh, an idea that maybe Logan could be working his way back, and uh, mm -hmm. that was a little open-ended, but nothing certainly of any type of expecting him back and he could play. Like, right. The next Nobody's expecting either guy. To, to be back playing, right, right, in and, the next uh, little bit. But you'll take you'll take the positive for the player, right, the the individual, and uh, we'll see kind of how things shake out. But right now, it's it's Aiden Hill and Jonathan Quick. Yeah, I, that's the way I'm. Yeah, on the understanding based on watching the injuries and seeing them happen, and 
Uh, we haven't seen either player uh, back in the ace with the team. Yeah. And the amount of time that it takes to get back into a rhythm of trusting your body and being able to go out and play, uh, certainly in this series, mm -hmm. I, I don't anticipate anybody uh, being uh, in a position to surpass Yuri Patera and then Jonathan Quick and ultimately Aiden Hill. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you, and I think that for the Golden Knights, you you trust uh, you trust those players that you have. You've you've found a way to get it done with with whichever goaltender's in there, and Aiden Hill had a fantastic finish to that Edmonton Oilers series. How about uh, Jonathan Marsh? So oh. when he was uh, spotted uh, coaching his son's team last night, mm. gets off the plane mm -hmm. the night after scoring a hat trick, mm -hmm. and he's over at uh, City National Arena. Coaching the junior Golden Knights. That doesn't happen anywhere else but here. <laughs> that is really cool. Be mainly because uh, either either teams aren't going, but the but the the uh, attention and uh, magnitude uh, of uh, the celebrity uh, you just wouldn't see a a guy jumping on the ice in Edmonton after mm -hmm. winning uh, the second round of the playoffs. It just I, do, I don't see it happen. I was surprised that it did happen. I think it's really cool uh, in reflecting on it. Yeah, it's awesome. I, I mean, you you get the opportunity as a as a player to almost live a normal life, which is which is not something that some players have in certain markets. And you know, it's it's cool that you get the moment to just kind of decompress and be a dad. Like twenty four hours awesome. after scoring a hat trick. But but like you you need that balance, right? Like I think that everybody needs that balance. Everybody needs to be able to take a step back in certain in certain moments, especially when everything is getting more and more intense around you. So yeah, you're right. It's awesome. It's cool. You'd like balance. You don't really get it. Huh, well very rarely, especially during here, in, in, in a major league sport and you're in the playoffs mm -hmm. of it. Mm -hmm. That Balance goes way out the window. Well, it's the beauty of Vegas. It just it's crazy. And and guys don't put themselves in that position mm -hmm. a lot. Mm -hmm. That's a special, unique person in, in Marsh so in, in being out there. And then you've got the head coach mm -hmm. who's over at yeah. uh, his son Cole's practice and and uh watching him do it and evaluating it. Hey, Scouting he, report he's, there. He got dangled once, but uh <laughs> but, 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 but that was cool too. He was out at uh lifeguard arena and mm -hmm. uh watching half the game and uh unfortunately Shannon was uh was not feeling well but uh, she couldn't play. But that that was neat too that he's right into and he's he's been consistent uh uh the the short time that I've known Bruce. Like he's back in town practice he's at the rink he's he's getting ready and then he's he's dad mm -hmm. and he's 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 right in there i think that's really neat um on, on that side as well with the with the young kids uh getting to it uh, we've got to take a break uh, when we continue one timers news and notes around the national hockey league and should we qualify somebody i think we should I'm right, right there. now. Yeah, let's do it right now go for it all right so if you want to go to game number 2 on two. sunday game right. number 2 noon on start. sunday noon start you're going to want to give us a call. You, we will be qualifying you for a chance to win a pair of tickets to game number two between Vegas and Dallas on Sunday. Right now, caller number nine will win a two-foot sub, courtesy of Porta Subs, your neighborhood sandwich shop. Caller number nine, 702-876-1340. You win a two-foot sub and qualify for a chance to win a pair of tickets to game number two. Just like Oscar. It's the VGK Insider Show. 
Carlson, left corner, centered, one-timer, score! It's time for One-Timers. One-timers. A quick look at news and notes from around the National Hockey League. Brought to you by Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. Southernmost Final Four in NHL playoff history. It will get underway on Thursday night. Carolina hosting the Florida Panthers in Game 1 there. Battle of Stahl Brothers. That's a family feud, if you ever saw one, mm-hmm. going uh, on in that one. Mark, Eric, <laughs> uh, on one side, and uh, Jared, right? Jordan. 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 Jared's the one that hasn't playing anymore. Uh, Jordan's an awesome dude, too. Uh, he's <laughs> he's a lot of fun to, to hang out with. Jordan, Jared uh, and Jordan are like two peas in a pod, but... Uh, uh, you get to Eric, who's like the grandmaster for me. Uh, mm-hmm. And he's got ties with Carolina, playing there forever, mm-hmm. too. Uh, there's a lot going back and forth with those teams. But Paul Maurice, I think he coached all of the uh, coaches on Carolina at I some point. I'd just like you to be right about it. Mm-hmm. Like, at some point, he coached them all mm-hmm. Yeah, dur- during the course of his... Yeah. Uh, and I remember back when, when Paulie was like 28 years old and the youngest coach in the National Hockey League. And now he's like the old guy going, I coach all those guys. Yeah, yeah. You know, coach one of them to a Stanley Cup. You got, uh, that was Lavi Lett. Hmm. Oh, yeah. That uh, that did that one. Because uh, I was thinking the same thing uh, about that. But Rod Brindamore, master motivator. Hmm. And then you've got the thoughtful, processing, can be hot, Paul Maurice. Mm-hmm. Is there coaching advantage here? I mean, like, I, th- th- both series have intriguing coaching matchups. I, I feel like you rely on the wealth of knowledge and experience from from Paul Maurice. Like, if there's a coach that's been around, seen it all, it's it's probably Paul. But the the other side of the coin is, I, I think that there isn't a team in the league right now that that embodies their coach more than the Carolina Hurricanes embody. Rod Brindamore. So I I would lean toward experience in this moment. I, I think that if you're going to give an edge coaching-wise, that you probably give it to Paul Maurice just because he's he's got this team believing. He's got this team doing things that not many expected them to do. I think a lot of that does fall on coaching. So uh, I'll give the edge there to Paul Maurice. Who's the most unexpected team to be here if you were going to look at it from the start of the year? <laughs> Not not the end of the year where Florida is like the lowest ranked regular season team to make a Final Four mm-hmm. ever, seventeenth. So who's if you were going to say at the start of the year they got no chance? Uh, I would never expect this team to get to the Final Four. Well, I think kind of the the idea on Carolina coming into the year was that they'd be here. So I don't know that that's necessarily mm-hmm. a surprise. Uh, the Florida Panthers coming off of a president's trophy winning a round in the playoffs making a blockbuster trade not necessarily sure how it's going to work out but you've got the experience behind the bench of paul maurice you've got a hundred point player in in matthew kachuk i I feel like this is something that that might have been could have been on the radar um I, i think like as ridiculous as this might sound maybe vegas based on the pre year thought surrounding this team that they were bubble playoff 
That was a lot of what was talked about nationally when it came to the Vegas Golden Knights, that they would be a team that was going to be taking a step back just based on where things were with the roster, age, all that kind of stuff after missing the playoffs. I I guess I'd probably say the Golden Knights. Mm, I was going Dallas. I don't think Dallas. I think I think there Dallas were Dallas people was, was in a in a weird place after last year. They changed their coach just like like Vegas did, but they were just in this stuck in between spot that I wasn't sure whether it was going to be dip and have to rebuild or catch your breath and reload and like what Boston did during the regular mm-hmm. season and da- Dallas. I didn't expect a, a Final Four from Dallas. Dallas impressed me all year by staying close to first place in the division. I didn't anticipate that. I thought they would be a bubble team. You know, what's what's funny about that is because I, I think my view on Dallas was that they were going to be good this year. Like, I remember, I, I feel like the the players they had, understanding, you know, Miro Haskin and his brilliance, what Pete DeBoer brings to the table, part of me felt like as soon as Pete became the coach of that team, well, he's got a track record doing that. I in the first just year. believed with the goaltending that they had, and Jake Ottinger, and, and what he did last year in the postseason. If you can build on that, I think they're going. I thought they were going to be a really good team, and proving out to be that way. Chris yeah, I, Chapman, I, I I thought Dallas as well because Ben Sagan would, would be have would, trouble to would, get would back have trouble right. Yeah. Ben Sagan, Pavelski, all a year older, new coach, new system. I don't think anybody anticipated the emergence of Wyatt Johnston. And Jason Robertson, look, he had to he had to prove that he was a guy who was a legitimate forty goal scorer. And I, I I think there are questions. I mean, I, I I like Pete. I think he's a great coach, and and certainly his track record proves it. But with Vegas, I I I, I don't buy that narrative because there was the talk all season about or off season about the injuries. You're getting a fully healthy Mark Stone back. That was the expectation. Him and Eichel together. There's goaltending. Yeah. Marks, yes. But but I think. I mean, you were you were going into a season not knowing exactly what you were going to get from one of the more important positions on the ice. But right? I think the, there the, were the question narrative. marks surrounding how healthy Mark Stone was going to be to start the year. Like there were, it, it, it you can buy the narrative or not buy the narrative, but the fact of the matter is the narrative was out there. There were a lot of people that did not view the Golden Knights as a, a top team in that in that Pacific Division. And I thought I really uh, he, again, he, he sold it. You you were yeah. the guy. Who said they were the best team in the division? I mean, I, I, I was not on. That wasn't a, a, a take I was on board can, with. I didn't think so. He sold it. Can you use my name when Darren, you do that? Darren. Yeah. Darren. Millsy. No, no, Millsy. What, what are you doing? The guy Thank with you. only five friends. We, yeah. we, we, we need to make Johnny sure Blue that, check mark. that I get that. Yeah. All and, right. And, and I, I, I will give Darren all the all the stick taps in the world. He was the guy on this show who said all all summer when we started doing the show all off, off preseason that they were the best team in the division. I think. As far as the goaltending, we we all believed that Bruce Cassidy ran a very goalie-friendly system. Not to say that the players who played in that position didn't step up, but I think there was a little more, at least on my, my end, confidence that the goalies would be okay. Yay or nay? Edmonton Oilers follow suit in the path of the Colorado Avalanche. Losing a disappointing second-round series to the Vegas Golden Knights and taking those lessons and come back and are able to win. Nay, nay, nay. I, 
I don't think they're built like Colorado. You remember Colorado? They were just devastated. We thought that Jared Bednar was in big trouble yeah. that night when players were sounding off mm-hmm. at T-Mobile Arena following that Game 6 defeat in which Vegas won the final four games of the, the series to eliminate the Avalanche. And they just they reloaded and came back I, and I, won. I just don't, I don't think that the Edmonton Oilers are, as we talked about with John Shannon, a, a good enough team, 1 through 12, 1 through 6, and they're two goaltenders to win. I just don't. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm. I'm not selling. I'm not buying that either. I think there's some question marks. I mean, they got zero from Evander Kane in this series, other than him running his mouth. Their their goaltending, I think, is, is certainly a question mark. Can Stuart Skinner do it again now that the book is out on him? And I mean, I don't what think book. Well, because I I, I think now teams are going to have. Tape on him. They're going to see. They tried tendon. it with the old guy last year, Mike Smith, and yeah. then they went young guy this year. And and I I mean I don't know if Jack well, Campbell's I the mean, guy that Jack that, Campbell was supposed to be the guy, but he wasn't the guy. Yeah, I mean that was now guy. Stuart Skinner's ahead of schedule. But does the disappointment in the playoffs kind of set him back? Does he come back a little bit extra motivated? Like it'll be interesting to see. I just don't think they have they, the they, depth with their roster. They're going going to run it back. Yeah. I will say this. I think Evan Bouchard is going to be a superstar. Yeah. Like, I watch him and, and he'll get, he'll he, get points. he's phenomenal. <laughs> like, like the way he operates on the power play, he's really good. Again, five on five, you got to be you gotta a be little better. stronger. Yeah. A little stronger. And and I was there. I did the draft when he was when he was taken. And 10th overall, I, I love that player. In fact, I thought he would get to this level sooner. Mm-hmm. It's taken him for a little bit longer. They got to add some depth in their blue line. I don't know whether that is able with with the salary cap but i'm probably more of a yay uh we'll see a better response to them i don't know whether they'll win but they were really close against vegas mm-hmm. i got it i know it went six that's still a very close six game series uh even though some of the games uh weren't uh, those are your one-timers for what is it today tuesday yes. tuesday may the hmm, on fox sports las vegas <laughs> When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. Oh, Christopher. Hi, Darren. So, I don't know how closely you follow the NBA and the draft and all that stuff, but tonight was the NBA draft lottery. And the San Antonio Spurs won the first overall pick. They are very likely going to use it to draft... Connor Bedard. Yes. Why not? Victor... Wenbayama, who yeah. actually played here in the preseason. They played against the G League Ignite. But no. I feel like maybe it's a little unfair because San Antonio had David Robinson. Then they they stunk for one year, and they were able to draft Tim Duncan, who's obviously one of the greatest NBA players of all time. He retires. They stink a little bit. And now they get the number one overall pick again, and they're going to use it to draft a guy who's probably the most hyped draft pick since LeBron James, like whatever it was, 20 years ago. So San Antonio Spurs, great fan base. I love Greg Popovich. Kind of cool that they win it, but I mean I, I joke when I say it's unfair, but it's like, really? They won it again? Were they the worst team? Did they have the best odds? No, I think they were. They had the second best odds. I think Detroit was the team with the worst odds, or best odds, I should say. They actually end up fifth. How'd you like that? You, you have Brutal. the worst record and you end up fifth. Brutal. No Victor Wimbayama at fifth. Got to tank again next year. Yeah, well, they. I don't think the Pistons have been tanking. They just stink. 
Really? You don't oh, think it's been on purpose? Oh, they're bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like they haven't been bad on purpose to try No, and... no, I think they're just bad because they're bad. Well, that doesn't happen. No one tanks, right? <laughs> I mean, in the NBA, I think ever, a lot of teams tank. Like half them. Yeah, pretty much. And the NBA even expanded teams making the playoffs so teams wouldn't tank. Now, yeah, pretty bad. Hmm. So you don't think they'll take Connor Bedard? No, yeah, I, I wish they would. I think, I think the really Chicago, cool. uh, Chicago Blackhawks have um, have Connor Bedard in the. In how the how cool would it be for for a guy to go first overall in the NBA and the NHL draft in the same year? That'd be pretty funny. Obviously, impossible. But a lot of baseball, hockey. Yeah, Danny, Danny. Was it who was it? Danny Ainge. Danny Ainge, right? Yeah, Wayne Gretzky was a great ball player because Danny Ainge played for the Blue Jays. Yeah, he did. Uh, did he play? Actually, play for the Blue I think Jays? he played a game. Yeah. yeah. I think Paul Molitor was a hockey player. Was he from Minnesota? I think he. I think he was a hockey player. Maybe Did Joe Mauer as well, that. another Minnesota guy. Huh? Yeah, a lot. Of, a lot of hockey and baseball crossover, but not a lot of basketball. Well, hockey. sports is the same season. Oh yeah, can never yeah. thought of that. Yeah, but you got to make a choice on the on that. We got uh, we got another couple of shows before we get into Friday and game number one. Over at the Fortress, it's a 5.30 face-off on Friday night. And now we know everything. A noon start on Sunday. Yep. This is all news uh, from yesterday. And they will go every second day this entire series. Mm. There's not a built-in two-day break, Mm. which is somewhat intriguing. The final will have it. Always does. But the semifinal or the conference finals... Will go alternating days right throughout. Big that both teams get this break. Dallas went seven, mm-hmm. and they're still going to get a nice, comfortable rest in between. Mm-hmm. You you don't get that full advantage by even just finishing a day early uh, over the other team necessarily. Right. You you get an extra day, which is always great, but you don't get that one where you're opposition is really fighting fatigue. Yeah, that's true, but for the Golden Knights, they've been able to close out their series five and six games, right? So you've got two less games on the legs, and the Dallas Stars also had a pretty long overtime game, a two-overtime game early on. So just from a cumulative hockey perspective, the the Golden Knights should enter this one a, a bit more rested. Did Dallas go to overtime in game one against Seattle? I don't Maybe. They might have. Yeah, I think they might have. So you know what that means? Overtime. Friday. Yeah. We're going to get a little extra hockey because they went deep into the night against Minnesota in the opener. I'll I'll tell you. I agree with John Shannon. I think we're getting some overtime in this series. Certainly does set up that way. Feels like it. Depth against depth. Mm -hmm. I I think they they will go at each other. I don't think you'll see as much load up. With the forwards in this, a couple of defensemen that can really get it at it. Mm-hmm. Did go overtime, by the way. Yeah. Kraken won 5-4. That was the Pavelski four-goal game. Oh, yeah. So And Paul Modeler, not a hockey player. He wasn't? No. You, you were busy there. That was impressive. That's some of your quickest work 